Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability people have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. <laughs> Today we're talking about relationships and specifically addressing a few questions that we've received from listeners, which are, how do I decide if the person I'm with is the one? What does Buddhism say about creating a healthy long-term relationship? And how can I support my partner while also supporting myself? Our guest today is Faith Jones, a young woman whose journey with Buddhism is intertwined with her relationship experience. Faith was introduced to Buddhism by her partner, Cole, at a time when she was really struggling. But I first came across their story when I read an article in our Buddhist newspaper by Cole. In it, he shared how chanting helped him navigate gender dysphoria around being assigned female at birth, and eventually, in 2015, he completed his physical transition to become his true self. Knowing that Faith and Cole were together through that process, I thought her experience of it would be helpful to answer some of our listeners' questions. What was it like for her to support her partner through that process, and how did it impact her own life? Faith shared with me that practicing Buddhism helped her identify a tendency to seek happiness based on external validation, not only in relationships, but at work and in other situations as well. Though she was so happy for Cole to become his truest self, she had to grapple with her own insecurities along the way, including low self-esteem and fear, especially because she had, until that point, decided that she didn't want to be with a man. Our conversation was so encouraging and filled with so many practical insights applicable to any relationship situation. I'll let Faith tell the rest. Faith, Faith Jones, um, and I'm calling from Peekskill, New York. It's a little bit, maybe like an hour north of New York City. Okay, awesome. And um, what do you do? So, <laughs> so I'm a, I laugh because I'm a hairstylist by trade, um, but my job is a little has morphed into something a little different. I um, work for a hair care brand, and I create content that is designed to help stylists learn how to cut curly and coily hair. Awesome. So uh, how did you encounter Nietzsche and Buddhism and, and why did you start chanting? Yeah, so I, it's always so hard to make this concise, but I <laughs> I found out about this Buddhism in 2012. Um, and it was from the person I was dating at the time. And he noticed that I was really struggling a lot. I was really struggling with my career. I was very back and forth with my relationship history. And I was also just very jaded and not very full of hope. I was like, just very like matter of fact about life and like, well, whatever, like, I'll just do what I have to do and like get through life kind of attitude. Um, And he shared with me about chanting. He shared with me first, he was a Buddhist and I was like very flippant about it. I was like, he's like, oh, you should try it. Check this out. Like I'm a Buddhist. And I'm like, I'm good. Like I was very just like, I wasn't even trying to hear it. Um, but he came to my house one time and he had after a stressful day at work. And he was like, do you mind if I chant um, before like, you know, like we start hanging out? 
And I was like, sure. And he started chanting and I noticed him go from being very low to more like up and like more able to connect with me um, in conversation. And so that's something I remember. And then then he took me to a meeting, um, an SGI meeting at a center. And that's where I started hearing groups, a group of people chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. And I was just very struck, but kind of weirded out that everyone was so happy. And I was like, how is everyone this happy? Um, but that was my first encounter. And at that meeting, I heard some encouragement that stuck with me. And that's what made me want to come back and learn more. And yeah, I wasn't actually really into the chanting. I was like, this is cool. Like, I've done chanting before and like, I've done meditations, like cool, cool, cool. I'm just suffering. and I want to know how to become happy. Um, hmm. And then I eventually learned that I should actually chant or try chanting more consistently. <laughs> Wait, what was the... Um... The encouragement, do you remember that that made you want to learn more? Yeah. So what I remember is the idea, and I think it was um, SGI President Akeda sharing that no matter where a person is from, no matter their background, no matter what they've been through, what they've done, that every person has the potential to become just unshakably happy and throughout my whole college career and probably before that, if I think really hard about it, I've been really focused on equity and justice. And I've never heard the intersection of equality, equity, and justice and um, religion before. Mm. And so I was really struck that this is something I used, I'm used to hearing in social justice spaces, like each person is equal. We deserve dignity and respect. And I was very taken aback, like, wait a second, this is a religious experience but it's really rooted in equality for people and I was just really moved by that I've never heard that before wow how interesting I I mean hearing you say that I I sort of take it for granted because I grew up you know in a family that practiced Buddhism and so my like the message I've always heard is (laughs) equality Um, But that's, uh, yeah, that's actually a really refreshing way to look at it. So um, just to follow up to that, then do you remember like how long after that you actually started chanting yourself or or tried to chant? And like, how did you feel doing it? Yeah, so I had gone to a few intro meetings at my local center and I kept hearing people share their experiences with this Buddhism about how they were able to overcome being terminally ill or really overcome financial issues. And at the time I had just finished cosmetology school and I originally decided to go to cosmetology school because I was tired of this idea that an employer or a company was responsible for my financial well-being. And also at the time was the, when I finished college, it was 2008, so the economy had crashed. And so I was going to jo- from job to job and being let go because of budget cuts and, or being let, you know, or a company would fold. And so I felt very, uh, very attached or very stuck as far as, you know, I just want to have my own independence as far as how I make money. And yeah, I found out about Buddhism just as I was graduating from cosmetology school and I was an apprentice at a local hair salon. And there were times, because of it's a, it's a cash-based industry, if we're really busy, I make money. If we're dead, I don't, but I still had to pay rent on time. Um, and so at a meeting, I was sharing this with someone at an interim meeting I was going to, and they said, you should try chanting to have a consistent income that can support your life. 
And I was so desperate and I really wasn't trying to move back in with my parents. I was like, let me just try chanting. Um, Yeah, so I started practicing in February officially. This is when I became an SGI member in February of 2013. Okay. Oh, wow. So eight years. Yeah. It's it's been a while. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks for for the context. So, um, So let's move on to today's topic. So since we are talking about relationships today, can you share whatever you're comfortable with just a little bit about your history with relationships? Like, I know we all have our unique struggles and patterns and beliefs associated with relationship experiences. But yeah, like what was kind of your journey and struggle? And then we'll talk a little bit about Buddhism after that. Yeah, thank you so much for that question. Yeah, looking, and this is so funny, Look, bird's eye view and looking back on my life, I, I realized that I would pursue relationships where I really wanted this other person. I noticed the other person that I was pursuing or, or talking to or dating, um, from my perspective, seemed very disempowered or very sad or very, um, um, yeah, just sad. Or maybe I guess a therapist would say like emotionally unavailable. And so I would seek out these kinds of relationships and with the idea of, and I honestly, I really did not have this clarity back then, but now looking back, you know, I always looked for a space where I could validate myself with whether or not that person was able to love me more deeply or whether or not that person was able to be more cheerful or be more joyful. Um, and I would really, you know, look for that to base my own self-worth on. Like, so what the other person was doing or what they weren't doing was really how I was gauging my own self-worth. Mm. Um, yeah. I think so many people can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. And so um, uh, before we get into the the actual kind of story of your current relationship, which um, has many twists and turns, <laughs> I guess, um, how, like, when you started practicing Buddhism, it, you said that you were really chanting about, like, your career, and that was sort of, like, top of mind. Were relationships also something that you had initially started chanting about, or did that come later? Relationships came later, but what's interesting is that the root of my suffering within my career and my work life was honestly the same root of my suffering in my relationships, being that I was looking to, an empl- because I was looking to an employer or a company to validate me and my worth based on money. I was also looking for a relationship or a partner or even friendships to validate my self-worth as a worthy person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't directly start chanting about relationships. That probably came like a few years later on. Um, I, yeah. But I noticed that whenever, and it, the root is like, whenever I'm looking for something outside of my own life to validate my self-worth, that's what causes me to suffer. And so that's when I know I have to reframe something that's in my life. Mm. It's amazing how clear you seem on that. You know, it's like, that's like a really deep kind of, for many people, myself included, like lifelong struggle. But it's, again, it's so refreshing to just, that you're just so clear, like, when this comes up, this is what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, it's taken me a while to get here. I think, you know, and I guess I have the, the benefit of being very, self-reflective. Um, but you know, honestly, the relationships I've been in almost comically, I kept dating the same person over and over again. And 
I also kept having the same kind of boss and the same kind of work situation. And whether I was getting fired, whether I was quitting, I would fall into the same kind of situation where my boss was above me and I felt like I had to prove myself to the company or my boss and just fighting a losing battle. Um, and so the, being in those situations are what made me see like, wow, I actually have to find a way to empower myself and not depend on a person to empower me. Mm. Yeah, I see. That makes sense. So then how did that, um, that way of seeing your life and and I assume chanting um, apply to your relationships? Like, I know you're in now what is a pretty long term relationship. What's the story of kind of where you are now? And how did you get here? Yeah, it's so funny. I love to tell stories backwards. So the lead is that I'm engaged to this person, this person who introduced me to Buddhism. Um, His name is Cole. He And I got engaged in 2019. And so I think the biggest thing that I learned through my practice and being with this person and being in this relationship is that, you know, when I am being bothered or if I'm being triggered or if I'm feeling some kind of way or if this person is making me feel some kind of way, I've learned through this practice that I can always go to my gohonzon and have that self-reflective space where it's like, what is it about this person that is making me feel this way? And what is it that I'm being shown as far as where I can heal an aspect of my life? Hmm. Um, or how can I alleviate this suffering? And, and this is when I get to points of just like, at, because my tendency is to blame the other person. And I learned someone um, in our Buddhist community once shared with me that if I choose to fight with my partner that is me giving my power away and so I could use instead I could use that anger or that hurt or that mistrust or whatever that comes up in my life about a person if I take that and use it that energy use it to chant with then I can really alleviate my suffering Mm -hmm. um using the power of my life instead of waiting you know putting that power into someone else the other person wow that's so profound. Yeah, it's, and honestly, like, I'm such a disbelief. Like, I'm, always, I'm so full of doubt, so full of disbelief. And so I feel like I'm still, to this day, like, testing if this practice works. And so every single time, like, I can always look at my life like, wow, you know, there's something I can really change in my behavior to to be the one to create unity in the situation, um, mm. which is really empowering. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also interesting that you say that because there is this, um, and this has come up on so many episodes, there is this sort of, there's this fine line between like improving yourself and changing your behavior in this like, you know, what we call inner transformation or human revolution in Buddhism. Um, And then just not accepting yourself the way that you are, because you have to start from a place of respecting yourself. And based on that, go through this transformation as opposed to like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just disrespecting yourself. So yeah, it's very interesting that that's what you shared. Yeah. Well, it's funny because when I first started learning of this concept of human revolution and this idea that based on my inner transformation, my environment will change. At first I was really approaching that in, I call it like wearing my glasses of low self-esteem. And so I really took that low self-esteem perspective and really thought that, okay, I must not be worthy or something must be wrong with me 
And that must be the reason why I have relationships that are disrespectful or jobs that don't respect me. And what I realized over time, and this is based on really studying President Ikeda's writings and just learning from our Buddhist community that I actually, because I'm infinitely endowed, like my Buddha ability is that power that I can accomplish anything. That means I, I, I have to, if I believe in that, I have to accept myself the way that I am. And so going from the kind of attitude when I chant, like, I just have to fix myself. I must deserve this situation. Going from that to, I deserve the happiest relationship. And so I'm going to chant and take whatever action it is I need to take in order for me to have the most respect worthy situation at work or in my relationship. Um, Mm. And it's just such a joyful process. Even sitting there chanting with that attitude shift is a joyful process in itself. Um, yeah. That's something that took me a while to, to realize. Yeah, yeah, I totally understand. So so let me play back what I'm hearing. I, I feel like the it's, I actually like that we're doing this kind of backwards because uh, the takeaways are super clear. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you started chanting in 2013 and over time you've basically learned that you can take anything that you might be feeling, um, you know, to the time where you're chanting like you can sit in front of your altar and you can chant Namu Horen Gekyo and you can work it out and then identify like this is the action I need to take to either not feel this way or to actually resolve the situation or the, re- the relationship or whatever it might be um, so let's see like how how this could be applied I know that the story of your relationship with Cole um, is really amazing so so let's start at the beginning so Cole introduced you. So this is the same person where like he came home from work one day and, and you saw this kind of change in his behavior yes. right at the beginning of your practice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Can you tell us sort of about the journey of your relationship and what you've been through together? Yeah. So I just I met Cole at the, like a really pivotal point in my life. I like I shared earlier, like I was just at a time where I was giving up on everything. So like I had given up on love. I gave up on having a career that I loved. And when I met him, I was at a point in time where I was like, I'm so appreciative that I am queer, that I identify, you know, as someone who likes or is attracted to all genders. And I'm like, well, I'm so glad I feel that way because I'm done with men. Like, I was so clear. Like, that was my attitude. And so through getting to know Cole, so... My partner, Cole, and he's, he's shared this before, but he is, he was assigned female at birth. And so when I met him, and it's interesting to talk about because I, in college and throughout college or throughout my life, I've always been able to connect with someone's life. Not so much, you know, the, the package that someone's life comes in, just connecting with that person in general. And so when I first met Cole, I asked him, I was like, you know, what are your, what, what kind of pronouns do you use that affirm you who you are? Like, what are your most life-affirming pronouns? Um, and then that's how we got into the, the gender conversation. And, you know, over time, he decided to um, transition, which um, a lot of people know as far as people who are, who identify as trans, a lot of people understand this to be called a transition. Um, I like to call it, or we like to call it, he 
really began this process of becoming his true self or matching his outsides to his insides. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though intellectually and most of me was really super supportive of this process, um, because I'm someone who really has the tendency to define my self-worth based on another person, that as he became his, as he was striving to become his most authentic self, it was highlighting for me that I was not doing that for myself. So Mm. in a way where I felt like I was being erased, like here's a person who's becoming their truest self, we're together. And because I defined our relationship as my personality or as my worth, this person becoming their truest self made me feel like for whatever reason that my identity and my worth was being erased or erased or eclipsed by his experience. Mm. And I'm so appreciative actually that I had this practice and this community during that whole time because I could have easily run away from the situation. I could have made it about, oh, this person doesn't have time for me or this person, you know, isn't considering me, but you know, how can, and one thing that uh, SGI President Akeda shares, and I really love this, this guidance about love is that, you know, love is not two people looking into each other's eyes. It's two people looking in the same direction. And the more I studied that guidance and the more I chanted about it and the more I looked at my relationship, the more I realized that I actually was conducting a relationship based on codependency and really based on this person, whatever they're doing, defines my personality and defines my self-worth. And so his process of becoming his most authentic self actually allowed me to start looking at what does it mean to be my most authentic self? Mm. Um, Yeah, it was such a profound process that I never, and I think it's like such a unique process, like tailored for my life because I, yeah, it's hard to explain, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. Thank you. I, I, I understand. Um, and thank you for sharing that. And I, I have some follow ups just to to dig in a little bit. So, so we can like unpack one thing at a time. But let's start with um. So you identified as queer before you guys were together, um, and at that time his external identity did not match his internal identity. I guess is the easiest way to put it. I, and you had decided you were done with men. <laughs> so I'm just wondering like what that experience was was like for you. Is that yeah. something that you had to grapple with then again later? Because now you are with someone who's going to be, you know, physically perceived as a man or yeah, just whatever yeah. you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. So I realized, you know, Cole really helped me realize that there are relationships in my life that even the base in someone's voice brings up an unpleasant memory for me or like a a traumatic memory for me or even like a masculine scent brings up a certain unpleasant memory for me. And so, you know, because I ultimately, you know, because I love this person and, you know, the voice change and the different, like, you know, the facial hair, like all the the things that, that, um, I guess, masculine identifying people um, identify themselves with were things that like I had pegged again because I have this tendency to to base my self-worth on what other people are doing or thinking. There's many times in my life where 
you know, maybe it, I, there, I remember a time in middle school where some, some boy was, was making fun of me or bullying me or, you know, some argument that I had with my brother or, you know, something that had to do with men that later on in life, I just decided that like, I'm done with all men. No, no one, no man can respect me. And no, every man is just here for me to feel disempowered. And that's Mm -hmm. such like a, (laughs) it was such a blanket statement or such a blanket idea. And this is another reason why I feel that this relationship with Cole is honestly my greatest fortune because I would have gone through life with that kind of attitude. And the irony of that is I work so hard to break down or do whatever I can to break down systems of oppression and systems of stereotyping or systems of, you know, just systems of inequity. So to have that blanket idea about a whole gender just was suffering. But it really, it came from honestly, very real places like visceral, like reactions to smells and reactions to voice and sounds and things. And so I actually had a really chant. I was able to really chant um, to actually find a therapist to help me identify what these things were so I can get to the root of it instead of blaming a person or something outside of my own life for my suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what a profound um, internal process for you to go through as well. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how, let me think of even how to ask this. This process was not overnight, right? So I'm imagining this was like a over a, a long period of time, this entire sort of, um, I guess, transition was taking place. I mean, multiple levels of transition, probably, that you can't even capture, not just for you guys as individuals, but for your relationship and um, in your communities, and also we're seeing happening in the world at the same time. So all of this is happening. I'm just wondering, like, how you chanted about it. So do you remember what your day-to-day was like, or even a moment where you were like, um, this is what I'm struggling with, and this is what I need to process? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's hard to kind of like share an experience and like only share the takeaways. <laughs> like, cause that's what I'm so yeah. used to doing. I'm so used to only sharing the takeaways, but the process honestly would just be moments of, I'm just in such despair over a feeling or over an emotion or this situation is making me feel this kind of way. So it's honestly like the points of breaking down And just being so emotionally distraught over some feeling I was having of feeling disempowered, feeling like I don't matter, feeling like um, what I have to say doesn't have any bearing on changing anything. And those kinds of thought processes or that kind of emotion is what honestly, if I just feel like my insides are crumbling because I think my biggest desire in life is to empower myself and others and so when I feel like the opposite is happening I just like is it's incensing to me like I just like go beside myself and get very emotional and so those moments those like deep visceral moments just going at that point in time to sit down and chant to bring out my bootability or to honestly bring out my infinite wisdom courage and compassion that's when I can see a clear change Mm -hmm. um and there were many moments in succession like that. Like, I think over time, years, but yes, this was a years long process, but day to day, I was always able to find joy and find empowerment 
in that moment. So it's not like, sure, like we, we transform over time, but the day-to-day of just looking at my own life and seeing like, why do I feel this way? Or, you know, why is it that, you know, I can't have a kind of career that I want? Or why is it that I feel like my voice doesn't matter? Um, going through that process while I chant is what helps me to this day bring out that joy so I can have the power and, the, and that joy to continue and to keep going without giving up. Mm. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Do you mind my asking? And again, only you can share, of course, anything that you don't want to, you can just skip. But um, I'm wondering, like, just to get a little bit more granular with the timeline, like, for example, do you remember the conversation, you know, where you guys were like, okay, this is a process that we're going to now go through and how you felt that day and like how you chanted that day? Yeah, it actually was kind of, um, I don't want to say an ultimatum, but it's actually for me, you know, this was a conversation that was like happening back and forth between me and Cole. And I very much lack patience. Um, and I also, you know, get very exasperated when things aren't going the way I think they should go. And so I just was like, I don't know what to do anymore. Again, because my tendency is to define my self-worth based on how someone else is doing. And so it just seemed to me that my partner, like, I just wanted them to be happy and I wanted them to, you know, just feel the immense joy and this wasn't happening. And so I was like, I, whatever it is, like, whatever it takes for you to just have joy in your life, you have to do it. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to continue in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, being able to bring that out of my life was definitely based on on prayer. Um, but it wasn't like a one moment in time. It was definitely over time, like, you know, observing and and mixing my intellectual knowledge with like how or is how's our relationship going and also understanding that if if each person in a relationship is coming from a place of disempowerment or or feeling having low self-esteem then nothing's going to be created other than disunity and disrespect and so i knew intellectually in order for us to have a harmonious relationship that we both honestly had to strive to find that joy within our, ourselves instead of looking to each other to bring that joy out. Cause that was just a cyclone of disrespect and suffering. Mm. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. That does make sense. And it makes me think, you know, I'm just thinking of people listening who are in, in all kinds of different relationships and, having different experiences yet at the core might very much be able to relate to what you're saying because you know I mean for example like if your partner is struggling with depression I mean there are so many versions of like a person becoming their truest self that requires work you know like a lot of emotional work and it could be career related it could be they need to heal the relationship with their family and to be able to be partners 
while also sort of creating the space for someone to go through that, which is a very like personal and individualistic process. It's not easy because at any any given moment, you know, I've definitely experienced this with my partner where I'm like, this is the way you need to do things. This is the order that you're going to do them in. <laughs> I know what's best, so just listen. And like, who am I to say that? You know, of course, it's coming from a place of care. But I'm just thinking if anybody listening is in that kind of a situation, you know, where they're really trying to support their partner's happiness, but they're feeling kind of overwhelmed um, and out of control themselves through it. How did you navigate that? Is that some a feeling that you related to, like through this, and and like wh- how did you, yeah, what when you say you chanted to sort of identify action, like what kind of behavior did you have to change, or action did you have to take to be yeah, that kind of part? The of behavior it? I had to change was to get out of my obsession with trying to control someone else's life, and that mm-hmm. is something that goes across the board from all my relationships, my relationship with my brothers, my relationship with my my closest friends. And again, coming from a place of like, really, I just want this person to be happy. Um, but honestly, focusing on myself and focusing on, okay, so for example, my partner does struggle with depression, but through the process of discovering like what is it about this person's behavior that is making me feel like disempowered or so upset or like they really I need to speed up their healing so I can be better I actually discovered my own depression Hmm. you know which is like it sounds kind of it might sound kind of like woo woo or kind of like you know magic but honestly like when I was coming from such a place of I am again validating myself based on however based on my environment my environment is dictating to me how I am, I was in a space where I wasn't even able to self-reflect. But I really believe that, you know, and we say in this practice that people in our environment are like a mirror. And so the more we chant Nam Yo Horenge Kyo to bring out our own bootability, the more people in our environment show us oh, wow, you know, this is something that that is bringing up something about me. And so, you know, because I was able to bring out that also unlimited wisdom, unlimited compassion and courage for myself, I somehow had the wisdom and courage and compassion for myself to start seeking a therapist. And through that, over time, I learned, you know, I actually have struggle with depression and so I was depending on my partner to cheer me up. Like, oh, if this person's happy, then I can be happy. But actually, mm. I have the power within my own life that where I can be unshakably happy regardless of what someone else is doing. Um, and that was huge for me. Yeah, that is huge. I mean, yeah, yeah that, I feel like that is the, um, like we were talking about earlier, just the, the key to any relationship, not even just with your partner, is that you can accept other people the way they are, but you can't accept other people the way they are if you can't accept yourself the way you are. Exactly. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, this is all so amazing, Faith. Thank you so much for sharing. I know it's so difficult to... I don't even know if anything I'm saying is making sense. I'm like... No, 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 it is. It is. Um, But what I was going to ask is maybe we... So I want to go into the sort of like... um, where you are now and kind of any Buddhist mm-hmm. concept you hold on to. But before we go there, I want to try one thing because I know it's so hard to summarize. Yeah. If you could paint a picture for me of the timeline. So when you started dating, 
you know, I'm assuming Cole presented as female and you were attracted to something there. So like there's this whole component of the relationship that that changed. And I know this is so personal, so totally don't feel free. Like you don't have to to go here. But I'm just wondering, like, could you paint a picture of like, why did you start dating him? You know, like what like what did you fall in love with? And then was it just like this is my partner or or were there like as this is all happening, is this the person I want to stay with? Because a lot of people listening may not be sure if the person they're dating is the person they want to marry, you know, or be in a long-term partnership with either. So if you could just yep. paint a picture of the timeline, like we met at this time, this is what how it went. And then along the way, kind of, when did it get serious? And how did you decide okay. to stick? I was really intrigued by Cole's energy. He also is an artist, and I also, like, you know, for better or worse, and always tend to be with artist types. <laughs> so, like, that was my type. Um, and he's an amazing poet. Um, and I think, you know, what what's interesting is that I realized in relationships, especially long-term relationships, I thought that there would be one sign or one thing that's like, that's it, I'm gonna be with this person the rest of my life. But what I realized, and something my mom told me growing up, which I kind of like didn't really understand until recently, is that because I'm the one who dictates my happiness, I actually choose this relationship every day. And so, that's what I'm still doing every day. Like, even when I, like, chatting every day, it's like, I just want to be with this person, like, every day. Mm -hmm. And until I realized this, there would be, like, moments where I'm like, I don't really know if this is the right person for me. This person is very much like another person I was with who I broke up with because they weren't doing blah, 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 blah. But... I honestly had to come to realizations, and i it's not even a past tense. I still, to this day, have to come to realization that a relationship is like living, breathing. It's not just some finite thing with a, with a finish line or a benchmark. Um, it's not like, oh, when we get married, like we're going to be together forever. Or, oh, when we move in together, we're going to be together forever. Like... Mm -hmm. Sure, that's the idea. Like, you know, I think that's the idea. And I loved um, fairy tales and movies growing up. So, like, I can totally get carried away with this idea. Like, this is my person. Like, I'm going to be with this person. It's, like, so romantic. And, you know, there are definitely romantic aspects. And there are definitely, um, you know, I guess, fairy tale aspects. But I actually have the responsibility and the opportunity to create that. It's not something like, oh, we're in a relationship and well, this fairy tale isn't happening, so I guess, like, we're not going to work out. Or, oh, you know, nothing's romantic, so I guess I'm going to find some other romantic person, like, or mm -hmm. some other romantic situation. Like, that's not it. Like, if I really, again, overcome this lack of self-esteem where I'm looking for the other person to create this romantic relationship situation for me, if I can pull myself out of that and... I honestly chant too. I started chanting recently, like, 
I just want to have the most beautiful love story based on respect and hope so that I can share with other people because I really feel that this expectation, this idea that like, this is my person, this is like romance and all this, like, I honestly feel like it needs to be re- rewritten mm-hmm. um, from a place of empowerment and not from a place of like being saved or, or, you know, having to look a certain way or, you know, whatever. Um, this honestly, this kind of thing comes out of my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally agree. Like being so practical and and eyes wide open and just respectful um, is just so much more important than going in like thinking of some sort of like fairy tale that you're about to live because that's not how life works. It is um, it's something you're building a relationship in the same way that we're building our own lives. So I so agree and appreciate and your mom is really wise too. <laughs> yeah. This is another thing too is like, I feel like by each person or by myself defining my relationship, whatever it looks like, whatever self-respect looks like for me and whatever respect looks like for my partner, like that's what our relationship's gonna look like. And I think society dictates so many expectations for relationships that it's so hard to separate yourself from society's expectations from what you actually want. And so being in a space where you're constantly bringing out, like I am just like, just the most respect worthy person. It allows you that space to even look at what you want. Like, do I even really care about like, you know, do I really care about dressing up all the time? Or do I really care about going out to the club every night with my partner? Like, I actually like to stay in like, and just because, you know, I don't need to like go outside and have all this content for Instagram or whatever, like looking Mm. at things from the surface. Like I don't actually have to do that, but it's very easy to get caught up in, in society's expectations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. So, um so I just want to go back to one thing that you said and um y- you mentioned earlier that you sort of felt erased while he was going through this process and like your own sort of journey or experience was being eclipsed by it and that just felt so real and raw and I wonder what did you mean by that? Like can you describe a little bit more what you're talking about and how specifically did you chant about that? Yeah, I think on the surface, it was about this narrative I have of myself where like, I just freed myself from society's expectations that I should be with someone who um, shows himself to the world as a cisgender male. And I went through, I had been in relationships where I had just overcome the fear and, and the drama and, and quite frankly, the, the, the safety, the lack of safety that comes from being in a same-sex relationship. Like I had just been like, I just like kind of empowered myself in that kind of way. And so because I tied myself to presenting in a relationship that looks like a same-sex relationship, um, that was to me like was a revolution. Like we walk down the street and we present as the revolution. Um, but I was like, oh, like, no, people are, aren't going to know that I'm such a social justice fighter in this relationship the way it looks now. And that was such a thing that I pegged my, my, my identity on, mm-hmm. um, being the kinds of spaces I was in and being a part of the LGBTQ plus community. It's like, you know, even though these communities really fight for the, the, liberation and the respect for all people, you know, in them, 
there are a lot of assumptions based on how things may or may not look. Um, and so, you know, because part of my identity was to be in spaces where same-sex relationships were celebrated um, and we could really relate based on similar experiences, I was like, man, that whole part of my identity is now no longer obvious or doesn't really come into play. Mm -hmm. And so it honestly is another way that I defined my own identity based on what others think or based on how society perceives me. Yeah. Wow. That's a really deep realization to have about yourself too. I think many of us actually go through life, you know, we choose the things that we're interested in. We choose our careers. We dress ourselves in certain ways. And then that is who we think we are. And we never reflect on where that's coming from. So I'm actually really encouraged to hear that. And that leads into into this, my, my next question, which is, um, is there any like kind of concept or guidance or anything from Buddhism that you really hold on to, especially like that has helped you with with what you just described? Yeah, so the one quote I always go back to is from the writings of Nichiren Daishonin. And Nichiren Daishonin founded this Buddhism. And in this letter, he wrote to one of his followers or one of the people he was trying to encourage. Um, at the very end, he says, you know, you must firmly make up your mind. Um, and the context is that, you know, you lived your entire life to come to this point. And so you have to decide to win. Mm-hmm. And if you give up now, you know, what have you been fighting for your whole life if you give up now? Or at least that's how I take it. Mm-hmm. And I think because, you know, it's very easy for me to get carried away with how things look or how am I coming, how am I presenting myself to others? I can come to I come to a lot of crossroads in my life deciding between this or that or deciding on things like my career deciding on when we should have our wedding these kinds of things but that quote from the gosho helps me really remember like at the end of the day you decide to become happy mm. and so if i have the confidence that every single decision based on Chiang Nam Kyo that I make in my life is 100% for my happiness, then I don't get caught in a back and forth and I don't let myself get carried away with a lack of self-confidence. Mm. Yeah, wow. I love that. It's so, yeah, it's so precise. <laughs> it's such a precise way to look at, at every situation. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I guess just to wrap up, so I know that you guys are, engaged so I assume that you're planning um your celebrations <laughs> what what is your kind of vision like for your relationship now yeah that's a great question I think that I think my greatest wish for my relationship now or my biggest determination for our relationship is that we really continue to understand what it means to support each other and really becoming more relaxed or letting go of our expectations of each other. And instead of being stuck on expectations, to learn how to become people who can, I want to love myself as much as I love that person. 
and vice versa. And I really feel that that's, that's just what I want to continue to strive to be. Um, and so, you know, in practical terms, it right now it looks like not being so stuck on the expectation of what a wedding looks like. You know, mm-hmm. what does a wedding look like as far as what's the best for us? Um, and what's the best way to repay our debt of gratitude to our family that supports us so much and the friends that support our relationship so much. And, um, you know, whether it looks great on Instagram or not, like whatever, like, you know, we had a, <laughs> we had a good time. And so, you know, I think that's a metaphor for how I really want to continue on in my relationship is that, you know, no matter what we are each other's support and we're looking down the same path, um, together, supporting each other. Yeah, that is beautiful. I love it. And I I really think so many, so many people will be able to relate to that. Um, So so just to close, because this is always how I end the podcast, if you could give one piece of advice to anyone who's listening, who might be feeling kind of insecure in their relationship, whether it's in themselves or in their partner, um, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, that's such a good question. So the one piece of advice I think I would give is that whether you stay with this person or whether this person is for you or not, I learned it isn't the actual decision. The real decision for that I've always come back to is I decide that my happiness is the most important thing. And so it really isn't about that other person, meaning that when I'm coming from a place where I'm chanting Nam Yoho Renge Kyo and I follow however I'm feeling in that moment, that's what leads me to the correct decision in my relationship. Mm. And it's not really about, you know, if I can just, just push past, you know, this insecurity or like, oh, this person, like, I don't really know if I should be with them. Like the most important, the more important decision is that, am I choosing my happiness or am I not choosing my happiness? And from that standpoint, it becomes super clear. Talking to Faith really made me reflect on how easy it is to live based on other people's validation, whether it's your partner, your lack of partner, or how the world perceives your relationship. But as she shared, Buddhism teaches that true happiness can only be constructed through the daily effort of uncovering our own unique potential and internal happiness. We've written a lot about relationships on the site, which you can search for at bootability.org. And as a reminder, if you enjoyed what you heard, please consider leaving us a rating or review on the podcast app, which helps the show get discovered. And of course, as always, to get connected locally or ask any questions, email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.